Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I am Simone Rochefort of Pixelkin.org and Remeshed. And we have a lovely replacement for Christina Warren this week. He is Marco Rogers, uh, Engineering Manager at Clover Health, with, which is a healthcare insurance startup. Uh, you might also know him from Twitter, where he tweets about technology and things at Polo Tech. Welcome to Rocket, Marco. Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Yay! And of course, we have the indomitable Brianna Wu, who is... I think you mean um, Brianza. Brianna, oh my god, That's Brianza. right. Yeah, Brianza. Brianza. Which is what I'm That's calling it. you now. So, you know, I am very, very sick right now. And I went and got, like, blood tests done, and, like, it's, it's walking pneumonia. I feel like garbage, but they, they misspelled my name on the blood test. It's not Brianna, <laughs> it's Brananza. And I'm oh, like, wow. Yeah! That is the best nickname ever. You're pronouncing like, it Brenanza and not Brenanza? I don't know. Brenanza. No, Brenanza is way cooler. Brenanza, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Bonanza. Already, you're both against me. Right. It's Horrendous. right off the start. Wait, so you're not feeling well, but you're like still on the grind. You're like doing podcasts and all that <laughs> stuff. I am. I, uh, when you run the company, you don't get a day off. So I, in fact, did do lighting all day today. But I, I want to tell our listeners, I want to be honest with you. Oh, I am high as frack right now on NyQuil. <laughs> I am beyond high. My entire world is a haze. Yesterday, I found myself tweeting that if this tweet got 10,000 retweets, I would uh, attempt to infiltrate IGN in a cardboard box. <laughs> 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 I'm like, oh, wow. I, I missed that, that one. I didn't get yeah. to contribute. How many, uh, yeah. how many retweets? Well, yeah, then, how like, I thought through the haze, and I'm like, no. No, don't tweet that, Brianna. That's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> See, I have that moment all the time, except I'm usually sober and within full possession of my faculties. Oh. <laughs> Although maybe it's like close to midnight or after midnight. Your career will be fine. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. So if, I mean, if so anybody so knows me, I actually tweet quite often. And you really have to develop that skill of like reading a tweet before you hit send and being like, yeah. no, I'm going to back that one out. <laughs> so, uh, you know. If if you can only do it when you're when you're sick, that's that's not good enough. You need that turned on all the time. How often do you do you back out of those tweets? Oh, like like all the time. Like and, yeah. and people are surprised because I still have a kind of a high volume of tweets, but I would say I'm I'm running about thirty percent, right? Like uh, yeah. the other seventy percent never see the light of day, and you, you don't want them to. <laughs> you should make like an alternate account that's just anonymous and put all those tweets in it. And I will totally watch that feed. It will be great. It will be great. No, seriously, you have one of the I, – I love following you on Twitter. And, I mean, it's not just your technology stuff, but just everything you tweet. I, 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 I'm a better human being and more knowledgeable in our industry from following you on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So everyone I, out there listening should do that. Yeah. I would appreciate that. I would say the same. I think we run in some of the same circles. And I, yeah, we uh, do. I love the conversation that's happening right now uh, around tech and the culture around tech. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do we all want to get into it today? Yeah, do we all let's want to get jump into it? right in. Let's so do it. our first big topic of the day, because this is, A, the slowest news week ever, but there was <laughs> one big awesome thing that happened, which was that Tim Cook went on 60 Minutes with Charlie Rose, and they had a bunch of cool stuff like they went to the apple headquarters and they had a big tour they talked to johnny ive and they went inside the design workshop 
which was awesome. I didn't realize it looked so much like an Apple store. Um, <laughs> but a big a part of the um, the whole interview, which is well worth watching, they talked about privacy and encryption. And that was a really interesting sequence because Tim Cook, again, brought up something that he's commented about before, which is that to Apple, privacy is really, really important. And multiple times the government has come to Apple saying, hey, we would like access to this and this and this. And Apple will not grant them access and, in fact, cannot grant access to encrypted things like text messages um, and I think FaceTime calls, things like that, because it just doesn't have the key to that encrypted data, which is something that I did not know and which I think is a really great lesson that maybe some other companies could <laughs> learn from. So yeah. by design, yeah, absolutely. yeah, by design, they just don't have access to that information. And if there's a specific warrant, Cook said that Apple would be willing to accommodate it, but they just cannot blanket release that data. But then after events like the terrorist attack in Paris, um, I think it was last month, it feels like it's been an, wow. a year and a day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then with the one in California that was more recently, the government really has been putting pressure, multiple governments have been putting pressure on Apple and other companies like Google and Facebook, et cetera, to release information because they believe that terrorists are using networks like that to communicate. And um, Tim Cook's point was that um, Again, one that he's an analogy that he's used before is that if they have a backdoor there for the government, it's not just a backdoor for the government because there are tech savvy people out there who are bad and who want to hurt Apple users who would also be able to use that same backdoor. And then um, more recently, also recently, uh, Apple had submitted a statement on this new bill that's being considered in the UK, which is called the Investigatory Owners Bill. Uh, where they use the analogy of like a key under a mat, you leave a key under the mat for the government, then anyone can pull up the mat and find the key. Um, so, and Google and Facebook again are also involved in kind of giving input on that bill. But yeah. I guess we we're finding ourselves. So this is a really interesting thing, right? Yeah. Because is is this the conversation that's happening? Like we're we're trying to convince them that uh, to leave a back door open, like you can't just say only these people can use it. Like other people are going to get access to that and they just like right. don't believe the experts. Is that the conversation that, that's, that's the happening? Thing. Like at what point, what point does the government believe that it is so invulnerable and on another level that any kind of, that like once you open a window, the window is open. Someone else is going to be able to get in there. So it's just, it's bizarre to me that they think not only like without just cause this information, personal information, like Tim Cook was saying, health, it's health information, it's discussion between families on sensitive topics, it's uh, business information, that information like that should potentially be accessible to the government, but also the the hubris, I guess, that once made available to the government, it would only be available to the government? Yeah, I mean, it's just not realistic. I think there are, and forgive me, my voice is going to sound increasingly like uh, Captain Adama from Battlestar as we're doing the show today. I'll respect all the more. Right, <laughs> damn it, Starbuck, what are you, right. Um, no, <laughs> the, yeah, there are multiple um, ways to kind of look at this topic, right? Like there's the the what is right and what is good. Um, I think there's also like the economic argument involved here. So like, let's say here in the United States, uh, you have this bill that is being, you know, put forward by the Republicans were to pass. Like what is going to happen as a result of that? If like, um, you have companies like 
Apple are required to like give encrypted backdoors. What's going to happen is the servers and the jobs are immediately going to go overseas because like they don't want that liability. You know, if we're going to try to adjudicate this here, all it's going to do is like devastate the the security industry here in the United States. So even if it were evil and a terrible idea, and it is, you know, it also yeah, it's a terrible idea for the economy, right? That's really yeah. interesting. I had never thought about it like that. I think, I think from my perspective, it's always kind of a, I, you know, I was asking, like, is this the conversation? Because, you know, um, it, the, just the question of whether the government should have access to this is, is the first question. And, like, that's where it stops for me. I'm like, no, they should. Right. Like, <laughs> of course. Like, right. <laughs> you know, like, if that's the conversation we're having, I'm like, no, like, we don't even need to talk about the technical <laughs> implications because it's not going to happen. Like, I don't want it to happen. And right. so if we're already talking about, like, whether they're going to put in the back door, I've already felt like I've lost. I'm like, ah. Yeah. How is that implemented? Who Who is responsible for it? Like, at that point, I'm just very miserable. Yeah, It is. It's so we try not to be too political, like partisan, I guess, on this podcast, usually. Oh. But like this, this issue to me, just it, it, any lines, no matter who's saying that they should have access as a government entity to just a blanket amount of private information that's like wanting to have an fbi agent just come hang out in my house in the living room and just sit there just chilling like right. no that's ridiculous and yeah. he's gonna leave the door open too he's gonna like crawl in through the screen door and just leave it cracked no that's how burglars get in <laughs> i i guess i would say this you know one of my previous jobs to to being an engineer was uh when i was in the south i did a lot of investigative uh journalism uh particularly in regards to crime and one of the things i was really interested in mississippi was um following specific drug cases as they would be adjudicated through the court system and what i repeatedly saw was you know basically police bringing cases against anyone that they chose to bring a case against and then mm -hmm. it would get plea bargained down it would be very um it would make life hell for the people that were targeted by the government there so you know i mean obviously look we live in a dangerous world it's naive to not think people are out there that want to hurt us as americans you know and the reasons why are a conversation we should probably have more often Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very pro us being, you know, taking care of ourselves. At the same time, like you have to be realistic about the unequal way that like these kinds of cases are prosecuted. Uh, I, I tweeted something today. Um, there was basically a, a, a Twitter account with a Confederate flag talking about going and killing, um, like, every person coming to going and killing, like, five um, Muslims. And the, the comment about it was if a Muslim had tweeted that, they would be in jail right now. And I think that's yes, a very absolutely. true statement. Um, absolutely. So, you know, I, mean, I don't want to... It's amazing that keep, this yeah. conversation is happening at the absolutely. same time that we have potential presidential candidates, like, on national platforms saying... We need to, you know, uh, uh, you know, put all these things in place to to screen Muslims and like get them all out of our country. Like th these two things are happening at the same time. And we're supposed mm -hmm. to believe that they're going to be responsible actors with this access. I just it doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, that's just not no. a reasonable conversation starter. It's very all of it is very rooted, I think, in, in paranoia. And one of the things that Tim Cook said was that the question of privacy versus national security is overly simplistic. I'm highly paraphrasing it there. Um, he probably said something way more elegant. But it, it's so true. Like, there are 
A, other ways for the government to access the information it needs. It can like find specific people rather than just, just asking for backdoor access. And I think as as people, like the people who are doing bad things also have other ways of communicating that they, they could find ways to get around like communicating through text messages, communicating, I don't know, through Facebook Messenger or whatever. I believe I remember reading that a lot of the planning for the Paris attacks was done in person. And I will I will tell I'll find a source for that and drop it in the show notes so that we know I'm not just talking out of <laughs> my butt. <laughs> right. For right, lack right. of better phrasing. Um I will find that source for y'all. But you know, there it's not again this binary question of the government gets to access data or else the terrorists win. That's so rooted in paranoia and oversimplification of what is happening. I, I, I also like, I really like uh, that Tim Cook um, said something that has been on my mind a lot where the, the rhetoric around this, if you listen to the, the politicians and pundits or whoever, is that, you know, we have to make this trade-off between privacy and security. And I really love that Tim Cook basically said, like, cut through that and said, no, that's not true. We like, we have both. We can have both. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. And we need to actually find the right way to manage both and not not kind of go into this conversation where we're convincing people to actively give up their privacy in order to feel safe. Because that's just a it's a false uh, choice. It's a false choice. Definitely. I, I, I guess I would say this. Um, it sounds like we are all 100 percent in agreement, which is good because we'd probably get some pretty angry uh, email if we weren't. But uh, I guess I would say this. Um, I think increasingly. Uh, let me back up and tell everyone a story. So I, um, a few weeks ago, a story came out that was from, uh, it was over at Touch Arcade, and it was talking about uh, someone that worked in one of these massive games, kind of um, sharing all the data they were able to collect about people that played their games. Um, and he, he really wrote an expose about that anonymously. So I was talking to a friend of mine, and I can't tell you what company they work for, but it's one of the very biggest game companies. And like they were showing me spreadsheets the other day of the kind of stuff they are able to collect on us. And I have to say, it is truly, truly scary. It is terrifying. And overwhelmingly, though, this is what's very interesting to me and where I think Tim Cook comes into it. They are able to collect drastically 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 more information on android as a platform than they are from apple now look like when i leave the house every single time i carry an android phone and an apple phone because like i have to have multiple phones just with my job i'm not trying to like be a cheerleader for one platform over the other but it seems to me that you can look at Apple's commitment to privacy and they do do things like when i send my husband a text message he and I are sharing like a private encryption key between us. Apple doesn't like they facilitate that, but they're not able to read those messages. It's there's no way for them to get that. And it's why I, I sometimes get very frustrated. Like when um, the new girl with the dragon tattoo book came out, you know, very often you'll get these monologues in, in like this book is talking like, oh, Apple's terrible for privacy. They give all the information to the government. You need to install this secret app on an Android phone. It'll be totally secure. And I'm sorry. That just doesn't make sense because Android is so much more easily rooted. Who lied to you? Spencer? It is That's rooted. So right. Yeah. Like, 
for me, I kind of always, uh, I, I kind of always like to bring these things back to, sure. uh, to culture, right? Mm-hmm. And and when you look at it, like it, it makes a lot more sense when you look at the two companies, right? Like right. Google has always been about data. Like that's their business. Their business right. is getting more data from you and trying to do interesting things with it. Whereas Apple has always been about like. Like they they have a culture of, of privacy to begin with. Like they they don't want you in their business. Why would they want to be in yours? <laughs> right? Like Absolutely. you know people like this this is the whole thing where people get fired from Apple from for letting the wrong information go. Right. Absolutely. Like that that privacy is built into how they how they you know how they do their their work. Um, where, as opposed to Google, where like their whole thing is how can we get access to more data? Right. So like you right. know when you look at the culture, like you're going to see these two things manifest. I think. Absolutely. And data does give you power and data lets you, I think, create things that people want and things that people need. But on the other hand, like I think there is a trade-off and certainly I prefer security. And I think if there's one thing that has come out of every single data leak that we've talked about this year, it's that you can't really trust companies to keep information secure once they have information about you it happened with ashley madison it happened with the um the vtech hack where all that all those kids uh information got leaked like if a company is storing data i don't necessarily trust them to store it properly i don't i don't trust them with it at all so i i it's a tough business and and you know to be clear this is the this is the business i'm in right so yeah i'm at a healthcare startup and there there are all of these kind of uh, privacy and security regulations around this, mm-hmm. but honestly, you know, when you when you get into this industry and you talk to other people in the industry, what it comes down to is we have to be shepherds of this information, and the mm-hmm. best way to make sure that it doesn't get out is to not let, like, not even open any access to it, right? Like, right, yeah. lock it down and where it's it's impossible to get to it. Not not that you have to like you know, make sure that you monitor the access or, or do all of these kind of machinations to, to make it really hard to get at, like, you can't get at it, right? Like, only the people who are who actually are, um, are, are authorized to and go through proper channels that are, like, logged and monitored and have the, pr- the proper security in place can even get at it at all. And that's just, like, that's just common sense in our business. And it's just weird to me that we're having this conversation where, uh, you know, like when you take it out of the realm of, you know, technical implementation, people just kind of don't don't want to believe that those are the realities of the of the uh, the technology. Right. Like either you have it secure or you don't. It's not kind of a let's do this weird hybrid middle ground thing and only let me in. Like, that's just not really a thing. I, I think it's a mistake to assume that people that think about this are, you know, rational. And, you know, again, it's hard to talk about this without being political. But, you know, like there's a, a, a poll that came out this week that showed um, 30% of people in one party and 19% of people in the other uh, supported bombing the fictional country from Aladdin, which is a rather terrifying uh, stat to come out. And like, I think about that from my um, you know, background in psychology, and it comes down to a heuristic that they just, you know, for whatever reason, they're scared of Middle Easterners and want to strike right like preemptively strike in that same way there are some people that's like oh the government's going to keep us safe by looking at our data that's like all they need to know like they're for it right. and they can't think right. through this issue rationally and it's so weird because yeah. these are the same people who don't trust the government for so many other things yeah and yet <laughs> you know what i mean they, this is where they feel like they want the government to step in i'm like seriously like is that really 
it's it's all of us like at that point it's not you know the bad guys who are being spied on it's it's all of us and it's all of us that are made less safe by that I probably shouldn't say this, but like um, one of the biggest hangups I personally have about, you know, obviously I'm a feminist figure. I'm very interested in Hillary Clinton as a as a candidate, but you can look at her record on supporting these kind of government spy things. And it's a pretty crappy record. And when she's saying things in the debate, talking about going after Edward Snowden, I mean, I very, very, very much want to vote for a woman president. But I mean, that stuff gives me very serious ethical laws. And it it really makes me think about that vote. Yeah, I I think it's really the age gap comes into play, which is not to say that all like older people are completely ignorant about technology and safety and things. But I think that it is fair to say that the people in government who have not, I mean, they generally come from a law background. They come from business backgrounds, et cetera, they don't come from the background of, say, being a web developer right, for a healthcare right, firm. Right. So anything where they would really have been hands-on with data and keeping data safe, things like that. So I think that, that that is very telling when it comes to these debates that we have over over bills and um, encryption, things like that. Absolutely. You know what? You know what is uh, stranger about this? Just to kind of bring it back around to yeah. kind of um, popular kind of culture is that it's strange that we are having a technical discussion at the national level, like with <laughs> yeah. politicians. Like that's weird, right? Like, <laughs> like I've been think- I've been seeing this in so many different places where you know, uh, like technology and kind of like the tech culture is kind of mainstream at this point to the point where it is kind of leaking out over over everybody who is not technical Mm -hmm. and they're like struggling to figure it out. Right. Like (laughs) the thing that always comes back to me is there's this, uh, there's this, this uh, commercial that I think uh, who like GM or whoever somebody's doing right where they're like, you know, there's this guy and he's kind of nerdy and he's explaining to his parents like, no, I'm going to, I'm not building things. I'm going to write the code that allows these things to like talk to you. And it's like, I'm like, the commercial is literally like this tech person trying to explain to older people like why code is cool, right? (laughs) And it's like a national commercial, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's the world we kind of live in today where we're, you know, obviously technology is kind of eating the world and we kind of have to bring everybody along. But there's going to be a lot of painful discussions, right? <laughs> a lot of painful, like, education that needs to happen to help people understand how to how to think about this stuff. Are we so excited for the next <laughs> election? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Brianna, you're sad coughing. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> no, it's okay. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Hover, which is the best way to buy and manage domain names. It is wonderful and easy. Uh, As we all know, naming things is really difficult. Hover makes it actually really fun. You can go to their site and type in keywords and it'll show you all different combinations with different TLDs. You can kind of explore and get a feel for what you want. And then once you are ready to buy, you don't have to go through a thousand bajillion, which is a technical term, screens (laughs) uh, where they're trying to sell you add-ons and jack up the price and things like that. You get in, you get out, you get what you need, and then 
you go build your website and have fun. So yeah, like I said, you can search on their website with keywords. Uh, they have .com, .co, .me. They have a lot of fun ones that I enjoy, like .church and .sexy. Uh, I think there should be a .sexy church. I think that that's going to be like the next stage. That needs to happen. Absolutely. I know. Yeah. Petition the government. <laughs> <laughs> This is my bill that I'm putting before Congress. So yeah, and they are, they have really good prices too. So .com domains are $12.99, which is really awesome. And that includes who is privacy for free, as do all of their domains, which is, of course, something we care very deeply about. If you do happen to have trouble with your purchase, they have fantastic customer support. Um, they're available all the time. You can talk to either robots or humans. Uh, I love that they offer that diversity. <laughs> sometimes you really need robot feedback on things, but sometimes you need to talk to a human being. And uh, I'd like to have the choice. The choice is mine. I, as the consumer, have that power. So, yeah. And if you if you have a website that you'd like to move over to their service, uh, they offer a valet service where they'll, they'll just freaking do it. They'll do it for free, which is mind-blowing to me. But yeah, so go do check out hover.com. Uh, you can use the show code HELLO. Switching domain registrars is a huge pain. So that's actually like a very cool feature, right? Absolutely. Like just give it to somebody and have them do it. Because I've done that too many times in my career, and it's always a pain. Oh, it is. You're going in there with C name and entering all that stuff. Oh, it's terrible. And I have to, I'm an engineer. I don't know what any of it means. I'm like, what? <laughs> right? Right? Like, yeah, how, like if it's confusing to me, like, I know you, you've done, you've made it to way too hard. Right? Because right, I'm right. supposed to be smart. <laughs> Fortunately, I've never had to do that. And I will never have to because companies like Hover exist. Before I launched my Adele impression, which was unfortunate, and we should forget it happened, <laughs> the offer code is HELLO, in case you didn't catch that. <laughs> uh, and you can use that to get 10% off your first purchase at hover.com, and then they'll know that you support my further impressions of Adele, as well as this show. So thank you so much, Hover, for sponsoring this episode of Rocket. Love them. Love them. So, Simone, if you do ever run, if you do ever want to get a bill forward and you want to run for office, I'm just going to put this out there. Like, you are a good, clean-cut, sunny candidate. <laughs> I will be willing to be the Dick Cheney in the background, like, pulling all the <laughs> strings are you gonna be for like, you. Yeah. yeah my Machiavelli totally puppet master prince kind of kind of dealio. That's what it's going to be. You got to um, have someone could... to do the do the dirty work, right? That's right. To... That's right. Exactly. Brianna I can't sully my done. good name. I need <laughs> Brenanza. <laughs> you need Brenanza. Sorry, Brenanza. Right, Brenanza. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I think we already agreed probably in the first or second episode of the show that Christina Warren is our a representative. That's true. That's true. Christina, she's uh yeah, she's she's unbelievable. But perhaps I, younger and fairer. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a there's an opportunity today because clearly you have to be kind of very technically savvy to be kind of in politics today. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Like yeah. You have yeah. to yeah. kind of know what you're talking say, about. You yeah. have to know your way around yeah. a computer. You know all of it, right? Like you embarrass yourself if you went on. Kind of got to know what an email server is, you know. Like these are relevant today. (laughs) Server. What? So, uh, kind of tying into that, we wanted to talk uh, for our second topic about 
technical technical limitations uh, because that ties into something Brianna's been working on. Sorry, Bonanza. I, I really got to get behind it. My, my, my apologies for nope. misnaming you. I, I'm very upset, Simone. So, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, stuff that we talked about, like, Marco, do you do any iOS development with your job or have you have you done any background in that at all? I have not. Like, I've, I've only kind of done the, the tinkering, right? With Absolutely. Fun. So I, I kind of know enough to know that I'm, I'm not good at it. But uh, <laughs> no, I haven't, uh, haven't used any, I haven't shipped any iOS in anger. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, well, yeah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, I do, I do game up, right? So when Apple brings out their like new sexy, awesome devices, um, very frequently I'm the person like sitting there watching the screen saying, please give me feature A, B or C. I need this power. Um, so yeah, we shipped uh, Revolution 60 last year. It won a bunch of Game of the Year awards. It was a great game. But one of the um, real frustrations that we had with it, and I could talk about this technically for hours and hours and hours and hours on end, is we were held back by being held to the lowest common denominator iOS 7 device when it came out, which was um, an uh, an iPhone uh, 4S and the iPad 3, and also the iPad mini, which only have 512 megs of memory. So when they shipped iOS 7, which if you'll remember, that was when Johnny Ive was put in charge of design for that, uh, it massively, massively, massively ate up a huge additional memory footprint. If I remember correctly, it ended up eating a hundred more megs of RAM when we barely had anything with Springboard. And then you're running the Unreal Engine. And then it's like, okay, what do I have to do with my game? Um, Like, what do I actually have to work with? And it was just like vapors of memory. Which is why when you play our game, which has a ton of um, custom uh, animations and a lot of voice acting, um, our sets, frankly, kind of suck and our lighting kind of sucks. So uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. But, um, yeah, I was uh, kind of showing uh, everyone on uh, Twitter this week, like what the difference is in when I have 512 megs of RAM and when I have one gig of RAM with Apple devices. And I mean, Simone, you're a gamer. Like, it's a pretty big difference, right? It is massive. Just like the the depth that you're able to put into things like hair yep. and skin and expressions and things like it, it is a massive difference. Well, the lighting, uh, especially. So a mm-hmm. lot of people don't know this. Um, when you have a polygonal 3d object, like, um, a teapot, a lot of students do a teapot. So you have to like, um, Hannibal Lecter, the teapot and like <laughs> chop it up and then completely squish all the skin down. So it's flat. So you can like map, 2d space onto 3d space a lot of people don't know this but you actually have to do that twice so with the first set of them um, you can do what we call stacking so if you have an object that repeats a lot in a uv texture map like i don't know a tank tread like a tank tread would like repeat that area again and again you can stack those areas in a uv map um, but for your second set of um, UVs, it's used for something we call light mapping. And what it does is um, we figured out this way to cheat light in games. So rather than have dynamic lights all the time, which are very, 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 very expensive uh, to like dynamically light things, meaning um, like if um, your light source moves, you have to recalculate the way the photons hit everything. 
Um, what modern engines have is a cheat where it will, um, we call it light source mapping. So it will go through, it will bake all the light into the scene, and then it will cook it into this map, um, this second set of UVs. Um, and so a, that applies even as your character is moving around and changing viewpoints, the light stays the same as what you're saying? Well, a character is actually, uh, it's what we call a uh, composite dynamic. So it will like uh, do shadows and stuff oh, okay. on it. So it's half dynamic, half static, but like um, a cube, like a cube in a background of a game would be something that would just be a static mesh, meaning it's not moving at all. Okay. So it just bakes all the light into it from the very beginning. Um, we had to completely jettison all light mapping in our entire game which made it look like garbage <laughs> because we didn't have that. So oh, I was man. showing screenshots this week of this. And I, I guess I wanted to have a, a bigger discussion here about, you know, Simone, what you do. Um, like you write for a website like that's kind of aimed at. Uh, can I can I uh, can I just break in here and be like, hey, like you, you're kind of talking to like 14 year old me now who like really wanted to make games. Like, I'm just yeah. listening to you. I'm like, that sounds so cool, right? Like, <laughs> it does sound so stuff, cool, right? You know? Like, she's it's, like some kind of magician superhero. It's it's really not hard what I do for a living. And I feel like, like this, is, not a, that this smart. is a common thing. Yeah. Like, there's so many, like, I've talked to so many, you know, developers who moved into, like, web or something else. They were like, yeah, I really kind of get into programming because I wanted to make games. And then I realized I was terrible at it. it's hard it's a really hard field um so this is really interesting to me because when you were when you first started talking about this and you were saying the fact is that you had to make it so that it was it could be played on any device and i was like gosh that's really terrible older devices yeah Yeah. all these people like who have old phones and she has to you know make her game accessible to them even though it won't look as good as she wants it to be and then so just today actually i was looking up how often americans upgrade their smartphones because i was curious as to what the numbers there would be and i actually wanted to get your input on this so i i found an article on forbes that says that the majority so 51 percent of people upgrade their cell phones uh when the provider allows which is usually every two years that is frequently changing um and then 47 only when it stops working or becomes obsolete those are definitely not insignificant numbers those are huge numbers right yeah and i think i mean every two years that would that would leave you with it with wiggle room in terms of graphic power but then the 47 percent that's a that's a large number of people who potentially would not be able to play your game and i was like okay that actually Putting it in perspective that way, it would suck to find something in the app store, as, you know, as not because you can basically find anything in the app store that, that it's not barred by device. It would really suck to find something that looked interesting and realize that you couldn't play it. But I think that it just comes back to me to the, to the issue of I wish that the app store was divided up or searchable in a different way so that you could search by what is optimized to your device yeah. something yeah. like that that would let those, people those have folks that can still leave reviews right like those yeah. folks who yeah. you know that you you didn't deliver yep. uh, a great game to them but they still get to leave reviews like hey this game yeah. sucks and even though they're trying to run it on a 4s which is like three years old right Oh yeah. Well, it's an even bigger problem that um well technically you could have run Revolution 6 to only launched on the iPhone 4 
and it did technically work, which is why we got past Apple certification. It was just a slideshow. Um, <laughs> like, but um, yeah, it's it's a big problem because I'm not allowed to target it at all. And it, it, it generally speaking, I'm talking very generally here. And before a bunch of programmers out there write me, I want to make a blanket statement before I start talking about this. I use the Unreal Engine, okay? It works differently than Xcode. I have different constraints that you do, okay? But most game developers do not use Apple's tools Mm -hmm. because they suck, (laughs) you know? So, you know, no offense. I know people that work really hard on SceneKit and SpriteKit, but it's not the Unreal Engine, right? And this is what professionals use. So, um, but it's really a problem because you can only limit it by OS type. So we were able to say, okay, we're only going seven and above. And you know, when we release, we'll only be nine and above this year. But um, you know, that's a really, it, it's still going down to the lowest common denominator device. The only reason we're able to cut out these 50, uh, 512 memory devices this time is because of the 32 and 64-bit binaries and the way you can upload different versions of it. So, you know, that's the only way we're getting around this. We're saying, okay, if you have a six, yeah, it's a workaround. Yeah, this is a really big problem with Apple. Like we've been talking about this on Rocket, how the biggest problem with the iPad Pro right now, I love my pencil, I love my iPad Pro, but there's not a pro software market on Mm -hmm. it. If Apple could like target software only for the iPad Pro and really bring out professional grade software, I I think it would really give a bigger market. So, I mean, yeah. The, uh, the iPad Pro question, which is something we discussed really in depth a few weeks ago, that just kills me because there's so much that you could do with with all that that power and all that the the beautiful screen and everything, and it just kills me that the developers are having so much trouble making money off of apps on that device because they have to be available to everything, and people don't want to pay you know fifty dollars for an app on their iPhone. Because <laughs> this is the culture we live in. It Absolutely. Makes me really sad. Well, it's just, it makes me sad every single time Apple brings out some sexy, new, fast device. And it's like, what is the fracking point? <laughs> like, really, what is the point? Because, like, I have an iPhone 5, uh, um, you know, 6S Plus right here. Um, I would love. Like, if they would let me, I would build a version of Rev60 for this device that would have particles cranked up super, 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 super high with, like, you know, 4K textures because it's got such great RAM in it. Like, I can do that. It's not a big deal for me to go write a a Mel or Python script to your Unreal script thing to go through and sub in those textures and up the and up the 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 effects of it and you know yeah if i had a super large team i could get down into OpenGL and like program scalable hardware but you know we're just not a big enough team to tear up the unreal engine but it's just it makes me very sad that apple is constantly limiting what like the degree to which people are going to be able to push their devices because it's just going to sit on you. Is there any kind of open dialogue with Apple about this stuff? Like when they're kind of like imagining their next version of things, do they get feedback from the their community of developers? You can. You can file bug reports with them. They take yeah, those seriously. Yeah. And, I mean, they're doing better at listening than they used to. Um, but, you know, Apple is also a lot more interested. I, you know, 
I try to talk about diversity less on this show than I do say isometric, but I think it's very telling that when Apple has a keynote at one of their things, you know, they don't invite giant space cat um, up on stage. You know, it's invariably some dude at a game company, you know, and, and they go after EAs and they go after these bigger companies that do have, um, you know, they do have the, the, the capacity there to scale it a little bit better. So I don't know. Yeah, I guess where I come down on this is I, I don't want people to feel like they have to upgrade their devices every year. Like this chart is telling me only 2% of people do that. And it's really, it's an exhausting process. It's an expensive process. I definitely, it, it does almost feel like it's expensive expected, but I don't, I, w- I hope that that doesn't become the norm. So I, I do think it really comes down to companies like Apple who manage the app store to figure out how to help customers find apps that work on their devices because it, it would really suck. And I, people don't, I don't think consumers necessarily question why, you know, the developer had to make an app in that specific way or why it doesn't work as it was as, you know, smoothly as everything should on your device. They just think, well, this this isn't well made. This sucks. And that's the end of the story. And it's because there's just not there's a step missing, I think, from that publication process where you can figure out what it what will run on your phone and you kind of deal with that. It does seem like a it does seem like a uh, a missing link, right? Because Apple wants to to have control over every other aspect of how people interact with their store, right? So if they were right. going to say like we'll tell you which which apps run better, like they want to con- they probably want to control that too. They probably have you submit like here's where you know we we've built for these uh, these OSs or these devices and have that be a thing that they curate. And, and mm-hmm. you know, it could be a thing where if, you're, if you have a, a, an iPhone 4, right, like you just never see those apps, right? You're not going to miss them. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like you just never see exactly. them. Exactly. So it's not and a thing where, where you would. see it yeah. and, and you, then you can't, you can't get it because that would be crappy. But if they, ha- if they controlled it on their side, they would just filter it and you wouldn't see it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't see Peckle um, on my, um, you know, I, I don't see like certain versions of Peckle on you know, my iPad or my iPhone because that doesn't exist for it, right? So it's the exact same thing. Maybe it's because the universe is looking out for you. It knows that Peggle is, is a dangerous force. It's trying to keep it away from me. Trying to keep it away from me. It really is. Me. I yeah. feel like I played Peggle on like four different... Platforms. Oh my god, I love Peggle. Don't even get <laughs> me started. Killing me. I'm at this point in Peggle 2 on the PS4 where like we're on the really hard the final achievements. We're trying to basically get 100% on everything. I, trophies not achievements. Don't come at me for that. Um <laughs> it's not my fault the Xbox culture has become dominant. Um, oh. but we can't we can't oh. move forward. The the remaining objectives are so difficult. This is off yep. topic. I don't care. Peggle 2 is important to me and the people need to know. <laughs> Any last words on Peggle 2? <laughs> Love that game. My, uh, my, my guilty pleasure is uh, Plants vs. Zombies. Like, I'm, I'm so addicted to every version of that game, and I've had it. Uh, I had it on my phone, and then I got it on my iPad, and then I got it on uh, the PlayStation. So I, I'm going to be can't. real with you. I haven't played it yet. We had to take uh, Garden Warfare off the PS4 to make room because... <laughs> of our small hard drive issue but i've heard so many good things about it it's good stuff yeah this episode of rocket is sponsored by clean my drive 2 by macpaw uh they developed clean my mac 
uh, in case you're wondering. So Clean My Drive 2 lets you just clean up all the junk on your external drives, like OS X service files and resource forks and things like that. You can check disk space right from the menu bar. It makes it super easy to do that. And it automatically ejects all the drives when you close your Mac. So it is a great way to just keep things clean and smooth and fast and fresh the way we like them. And I know you are both knowledgeable in Clean My Drive. I kind of need that, actually. Like, you're yeah. describing it, and I'm like, I kind of need that right now, right? Because, <laughs> you know, I have, a, I have at least one of my laptops with, um, you know, a solid-state drive, which is great because it's super mm -hmm. fast and, and performant and whatever, but it's only, like, 125 gigs. And, like, really, like, who gets by on 125 gigs <laughs> today? Like, nobody, oh, right? Like, you it's, it's no. full all the time, no. so I need some I need to create that's some like room a, there. That's that's a punishment. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, I think you've clean my drive. I've sure used clean my Mac. I mean, it has saved my butt so many times. I love that program because it will go through and um it actually shreds everything it deletes nice. because like um you know, we in the in the face of like Gamergate, we've had to like quadruple our security here and TFA everything. Mm -hmm. Like if my email were to get hacked, it wouldn't just F over my career, it would F over a lot of people's careers. So like it um, you know, we 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 have this mega shredding program with it. And I love that. Um it's also helped me a lot that um you know, when you're doing game dev, you're dealing with such massive files all the time. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, let me try this. Let me try this material. I'll plug this in over here. I'll try this movie in this big format and I'll try to get it here. And um, it's really, really awesome at going through and like finding all those extra versions you haven't touched for years. Um, it actually helped me work on my last uh, trip out of town to free enough um, space on my Mac to get a boot camp partition set up for Unreal mm -hmm. so I could work uh, as I was traveling. That's so awesome. this is good software. It really is. It's effective. I buy everything they put out. I can wholeheartedly endorse this Well, product. and this, uh, Clean My Drive 2, is completely free. And you can get it what? at com. That's pause and P-A-W. Uh, macpaw.com slash clean my drive so free software for cleaning all that crap out i don't know what isn't to love about it in my 1920s announcer voice get clean my drive too by macpaw today simone i love you <laughs> i'm I glad that you, you do you in your, in your fever you state me. did you just picture That's... me in like a little straw hat with a I, I do. You're you're in the twenties, and uh, yeah, you're 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 rallying for the right to vote. Little do you know that that's nice, not a hallucination. Uh, a nice that's how I look right now. That was well done. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Thank you. We're professional. Small history here. lesson there. I, I picked up on it. I don't know if anybody else did. So for dessert today, uh, we are going to talk about some of the most useful productivity things that have happened to us in 2015. And also, uh, this ties in really well because Christina, long lost Christina Warren, who is cruising the Caribbean right now, uh, posted an article on Mashable just about all the, the apps that died this year, uh, among them uh, things like Mailbox and uh, Carousel and Sunrise and Facebook Creative Labs is dead. Uh, Amazon Fire Phone is dead. She includes Twitter stars and Betamax, which I didn't even know was still a, a thing. I've heard that name. Apparently, Sony was still no shipping way. Betamax tapes. <laughs> what? That's amazing. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and you know someone's still pissed about it. In 2015, someone's still pissed. Yeah. <laughs> 
I want to know what the use case for that is. What is the possible use case for that? I need them to write into the show. Please do tweet Please, at us. Please, if it was you, write us so we can know. What what witchcraft were you performing with your Betamax tapes? And of course, um, Adobe Flash is probably the, the big thing that I think is still in the process of dying. But like this was the year that put the nail in the coffin. Do you have do you have sound effects? Can you play a, like a round of a round of applause for the death of Flash? You heard it, Stephen. Just do it. <laughs> One of the ones I was sad about was Songza because I I used to use that a lot when I first got my iPad. Um, because they they had really great playlists based on moods and occasions and things so you know and, and it actually changed based on the time of day so you'd wake up in the morning and it'd be like a selection of starting work slash getting psyched for the day playlist things like that so i used to use that during our D games to basically lend fantasy atmosphere to the to the gathering um so that's, I actually, I haven't used them in a while because of a combination, a lethal combination of eight tracks and Apple Music. I'm kind of annoyed at Apple Music right now because I keep deleting songs off my playlists, which is obnoxious, but I think it's... I, I, got, a, I got away from, from uh, the whole Apple thing. I, I'm like all Spotify now. All Spotify like all, all the, time. the time? Yeah. How do you, how do you like, feel? I do you like to, it? Are you, are you a happy man? No, it's it's awesome. Like, and actually, so I've been using it for a couple of years, and and really the only downside of it is, uh, you have to train it to give you music that you like because their recommendation system sucks until you like train it. Like you're you're skipping songs like a like a mad person until they get better at giving you songs that you like. Uh, but when you do, like it's it's decent. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah. I don't think I'm going over yet, but I have nothing against Spotify. And now that I am trapped in this this place where I'm paying money for music to listen to in, on my car rides, uh, it, like, you know, I'm open. I've opened the things. I still have Apple Music, but <laughs> yeah. In terms I don't know. It, it sucks for EDM. It really sucks for EDM. And one of the things, and one of the things they, um, you know, that made Christine's list was, uh, you know, Beats Music. And it's not a one to one crossover with everything. So yeah, I've got, I've got some problems with Apple Music. Yeah. What about the the productivity stuff, like Mailbox? And so, I mean, I would love your opinion on this, Marco. Mailbox never made any sense to me at all. It's like, nope. okay, so Dropbox is gonna get into mail i mean what? I, I mean i tried yeah. it and i kind of immediately ditched it like so so here's the thing like every like this is the holy grail like everybody wants to make email not suck but i don't know if that's actually possible because it's not actually the application it's all the email like that's what sucks right and i, I can tell you the thing that the thing that's working best for me today is um google inbox like the new version of their thing that's that's like, you know, they call it inbox and it's a terrible name because people don't know what you're talking about. But the new thing, inbox.google.com, check it out. And 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 really the the core concept is you can get rid of a whole bunch of email at once. One click. And it just sweeps it all away. And that's that's really the killer feature. That's it, right? But rather than having to trawl through all of this email to make sure I'm not missing anything. They smartly group it together, right? Which they've tried to do a couple of times. They had like priority inbox and all this stuff, and that's fine. But then they give you a button, and you click that button, and whole swaths of email just go away, right? It's like a rather fantasy. Than, yeah, no, it's it's awesome, and that rather than sitting in your inbox where 
you have all this anxiety and there's something in there that you're going to miss. Like you get really comfortable with going, you know what, realistically, I'm probably not going to look at this. It's not really high volume. It's not really high value. I'm just going to make it go away. And then you do and your life is better. Mm-hmm. Like really Love that's it. what it comes down to. I Love think it. literally every week, Courtney and I will have a conversation where she's like, did you get the the thing? Blah, blah, blah. Did you look at it? Do you have feedback? And I'll be like, no, Courtney, I never got that thing. It's just hiding in my emails. It's right yep. there. I received yep. it days ago. It is beautiful, yep. unread, pristine, and it just <laughs> does not cross my eyeballs. You'll and find it I, if you sweep yeah. away all the crap, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like yeah. when you clean yeah. your room yeah. and you find stuff. You're like, where yeah. at that? I've been looking for that thing. <laughs> And I would never would have found it until I cleaned my room. Yeah. And then Courtney. I, I did them. subscribe to a product this year that made it much easier to deal with email. And that was hiring an assistant <laughs> company for me. That that was I, I swear is the best thing ever. Like I'll see email come into my phone and I'm like, oh, I'm so glad she's gonna get this because I can just completely ignore all of it. I mean, that's a it's pricey wonderful. solution, yeah. but I think I big time <laughs> it's probably worth it. Yeah. I, I, I want to be there. I aspire to having an assistant. It's pretty great. I love it. I love it. I recommend it. <laughs> so do we want to talk so, about what we did this year? That if there is something you did this year that really changed how you work and made you more productive? So I have to say, um, you know, we 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 bash the uh, the Apple Watch a lot on this show. Um, but I have to say, it is the gadget this year or product or service that I, I find myself really, really using when I'm, um, yeah, um, well, I work out every single day, um, you know, not right now. The whole reason I got pneumonia is I decided to go running while I had a cold. Don't do that. It was pretty stupid. Um, but yeah, um, like the, the, it's, it's great because it's, it has all your stats built in. It's reminded me to stand up. I feel better. Um, but when I'm walking around the city, uh, you know, when I'm not in my car, um, it, it's really, really, really handy. And I, I love Uber on it, the way it dings at me. Simone, the reason I'm able to respond to you with Facebook messages is because it goes straight to my watch. And I'm like, oh, Simone did this. This is important. You know, like I'll go talk to her. So, um, I have to say, like, there's a, a lot of room for that product to grow. But I think um, I, it, for me, is the most useful thing that's come out this year. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Like, you're, you're one of the few people I've heard say that. And I was, I was developing the opinion that, that Apple, like, just really missed the mark on it. Because, like, it doesn't, like, I haven't heard a lot of people say, like, like I love this thing. Like it actually has integrated into my life. So I'm I'm happy to hear that. I wanted it to be Well, I don't love it. I think it's deeply flawed. Um it's just like when thinking about like we all have that experience of like I'm gonna download this productivity app. Oh, this is the time I'm gonna use it. It's gonna be great. <laughs> it's gonna change my life. You are the the use case, the future use case right. for the Apple right. Watch that they should be looking at to figure out how to improve it. <laughs> To be to be honest though, can can we all kind of think back and at how much the iPhone one sucked? Like yeah, it sucked, definitely. You know, yep. like seriously, I bought it. Yeah. I was in line. I was that guy. I waited in line and I got it. And I said, this simultaneously, it sucks, but it's also the greatest thing that I've ever bought. And so I, I think there's lots of room for improvement. I think that was kind of the takeaway of uh, part of the takeaway of the sixty minutes interview that Tim Cook did, which was I think it was uh, Raymond Wong on Mashable who was talking about it. Uh, where it's kind of clear that whatever they do for the Apple Watch 2, that's going to be the one that possibly changes the landscape, as it were. For me, I think the things that changed my life 
for lack of a less, you know, dramatic statement. Uh, it's not, not nothing new, but definitely just getting really deep into apps on my phone for writing and organizing for fiction, actually, because I recently finished a story that I submitted and I won't tell you anything more about it until I hear back on that submission. But because my computer was falling apart and horrible, I really delved into what apps I could use to improve my writing process and then tying that into my planning and editing process. And one of those, I, I've always used Google Docs. I was always writing on Google Docs. Um, it is, I like it, but it definitely has its flaws. And then one of the other things that I started using, which Christina actually recommended, was an app called Quip, which offers, you know, group writing as well as solo stuff, which Google Docs does too. But I think the Quip version is more adept at helping you communicate with people um, on a mobile platform. I love Google Docs' chat in the sidebar, but that's just not possible on on the phone. So I have been working with Quip, arranging groups where we share information and documents and then tying that into a Slack channel where we are talking about our ideas and things like that. And for me, in the editing process, Quip really helped because I could take the entire manuscript that I had written in Google Docs and put it into Quip and use those editing functions and just kind of see it with a fresh eye. Because I was so – I had read it 10,000 times in Google Docs. And at that point, you're not really seeing words anymore. You're not seeing – yeah, you're not looking at it on a granular level. So putting it in a new setting. So Quip helped me with that. And then I also, oddly enough, just opened it up as a – PDF in Adobe Acrobat. And that really surprisingly, I turned on night vision. So it was just black background on white text. And that helped me see so many different things. And I was just like scrawling on it with my finger, like leaving notes that way. And that I think made the editing process a lot less intimidating for me because it wasn't going through my Google Doc with a million markups in it or whatever and like looking at comments and things, I could just like hold my iPad in my hand with those, my handwritten notes on it and then apply those changes in the master Google Doc where I was keeping everything. And then that (laughs) all tied in to Trello where I organize chapters as index cards basically. And then in each index card, I can put notes on what exactly I need to change about that chapter and I can create categories. So, you know, I have part one, which is one Google Doc, because Google Docs gets really unwieldy when you have over 30,000 words in it, unfortunately. So, you know, part one, chapter list, part two, chapter list, and then things like notes about what day certain things happen, um, what I, locations that are important, things like that, descriptions of apartments. So it just made the whole, like, really getting into all these things that I could use on my phone and my iPad when I turned to writing solely on those devices was really awesome and refreshing. And I just, I feel like my, my whole writing process improved for it. It's super interesting hearing about your writing process. I, I, I love it. And I actually, Thank so you. I, um, I'm, I, lo- I really like Quip. I, I would, I would um, second everything that you said about it. We actually use it here at work. And, and the way that I kind of think about it is Google Docs is great, but like, I look at Quip as kind of the next evolution of that because Google basically took, you know, what what ostensibly is supposed to be kind of paper documents in digital form and kind of said, okay, we're going to make like the best kind of digital form of paper documents. Whereas Quip like just really went all in on saying like this content lives online, right? Like, and and we're gonna we're gonna throw away all of the all of the things that kind of uh, tie it back to 
the fact that like these used to be paper documents or they want to be paper documents and they went all in on on kind of utilizing everything about uh like being born online and so the 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 chat feature is kind of fully integrated with the document like it's so much easier to have real kind of conversations about different parts of the document and collaborate there mm -hmm. um way better than google docs like and I, having I, persistent I conversations too Rather than I, I think in Google Docs they they disappear after a while. Yeah, it's just yeah, unwieldy it's to access them. Yeah. What yeah, about? I'm, I'm I'm a big Quip fan. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so that much, Christina, for that. Makes me want to try it now. I, that makes me want to try. I really it. love I it. I hadn't thought about using it for writing because I have the I have all the same problems that you described. I was listening to it. I was like, yes, oh my god! And this is the reason why <laughs> you know I I write a lot less than I used to, and now I basically just like dump all of my thoughts into Twitter, but uh, that's a different, that's a different story. But uh, yeah, like the, you, you know, you kind of need a lot of um, things to help your writing process in terms of like getting feedback from people, really drink, drilling in on certain parts of it, making it easier for you to, to manage the writing that you're, you're doing and the, or the different documents that you have. Like I've never thought about using Quip for that. Like we use it for work, but now I'm like really going to take a second look at it as like the place where I actually develop my writing, which is awesome. Yeah, and being able to have separate folders for that is awesome. Oh, and I, yeah, one of the things that I tried in this process was Evernote, and I ended up just not using that because I had some problems with how it was synchronizing across platforms. It would, you know, have multiple versions of what I was writing in the same document, and it just became very unwieldy and frightening. So yeah, Quip was my solution to that and Christina's solution when we were talking about it. So thank you for that, Christina. Marco, do you have anything that has changed your life this year? Um, actually, so when when you asked about it, I, I gave it some thought and I, I think I'm I'm kind of out of the loop on a lot of the new stuff, but something something did actually uh change my life this year and it's it's a little um like desktop application and it's called Dash, right? And and you know, so so I'm I'm kind of coming from the, the, the web development world, right, you know, and, like, and that, you know, we're all kind of technical people here, and you know that, like, looking things up is essentially your life, right? Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> right. how this works, like, you know, yeah. And, yeah. And, and Dash basically collects all documents from all the things and makes it available offline in a really awesome way where you can just search wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, what do you mean? Like, I can do all the like, documentation, Stack like, Overflow stuff. Yeah, like, absolutely. If I do a Google so search, I think you'll just show up. You may like, so it may still call out for Stack Overflow, but 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 uh, like for example, you know, we're we're a, a Python shop, and like essentially yeah. you have all the Python documentation offline, uh, indexed and searchable, so I can look up like, oh, how do you open files again? Damn it! Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's all there. Yeah. And it's 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 awesome. Like they have uh, it's it's got all the languages you want: Python, Ruby, whatever, uh, C or whatever. And they also have like really popular um, libraries or open source projects that have good documentation. And people, it's extensible, right? People can essentially create doc sets uh, for their documentation and make it available to Dash, and you can go and you can download them. And this is awesome for when you're like you know on a plane and you want to get some work done, and then as soon as you hit that thing where you're like, I gotta look this up. And you don't have like that Wi-Fi on the plane, you're kind of suck. And then you like, you know, just read your book or fall asleep and really annoyed that you can't actually keep programming. Like Dash is is where it's at. Like I, I would I would highly recommend that. And I, I don't know how long it's been around, but I just like somebody put me onto it this year and I was like, wow, how have I not been doing this? Right? This sounds so, great. 
I mean, it happens to me all the time that sometimes, I mean, not just even with my work stuff, you know, um, but like often uh, people will be, you know, I'll see some awesome feminist article, you know, and I'll be like, oh, I want to read that. I want and then I want to reference it later in like something I'm writing. So yeah, no, that sounds great. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, that happens every, every damn day. <laughs> every damn day. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's us for this week. Uh, Brianna, what are you up to this week? What am I up to? Um, honestly, healing, getting some sleep. Uh, yeah, I've canceled pretty much every meeting at my company because I've been so That's incoherent. That's what I like have to I, hear. Have I, have I been coherent on this podcast tonight? You have. Tonight You've said at least 10 sentences. I, 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 it's just a blur. It's a complete blur. I have no idea what I've said. It could be. You could have even not mentioned that you were medicated and maybe right. wouldn't, we wouldn't even have known. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, seriously. Uh, I've been doing. So one of the things when you do game dev, um, you kind of split your tasks up into stuff I can do with very little of my brain and stuff that's like deep programming like let me go in and debug this entire feature right and that's when you need like a lot of quiet so what i kind of have stacked up right now is a lot of um lighting tasks where it's um like i'm going through the game and i'm going shot by shot by shot um so in revolution 60 we have lights that follow the girls around um like very specific lights so um in unreal uh you can set lighting channels that will go through and it will like bake uh the light into bsp brushes or static meshes or dynamic lights or composite dynamic meaning like skeletal meshes so what i'm doing is going into those lights and um and going through and programming and subtly tweaking every one so like simone you saw the screenshots of our game so before it had that like flat white lighting over everything and now it's just like tron exploded it's like tron orgasming in your face like everywhere and, and not influenced awesome. by, yeah. by your cold medication right all. not at all no <laughs> it is no. pure and like, beautiful it is actually it's so gorgeous it's super Space bright right like it just sucks you in there and something that really frustrates me is how many games are like i'll boot them up it's like oh great another stupid hyper realistic game that's using brown everywhere like go play <laughs> call of duty it's like brown everywhere because all they do are those brown lights and yeah it looks realistic but it's like what's the fun in that no, i live so. for it. that's one of my the saddest losses i think between assassin's creed unity and assassin's creed syndicate is that yeah. they did have to turn down basically reduce some of the lighting effects and the the bright colors and the blood splatter um Ooh. because that it was just a little too much i think to handle and unity is a beautiful game syndicate is also beautiful but unity is just very vivid and colorful in a, a really romantic and wonderful way and i'm i hope someday we'll see the return of those beautiful beautiful effects but i'm gonna play it over christmas break. unity or I'm syndicate over christmas. uh whatever the syndicate new one is. Okay. i can't yeah. keep them straight I'm i sorry. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I so now now we're getting some of the medication here like oh, <laughs> Brianna's gonna go back in time and play Assassin's Creed Unity, a game I which I still enjoy, despite um, complaints that have been made about it, which I have talked about at length, incessantly, for over a year now. Uh, yeah, Marco, what are you up to this week? 
Um, well, so uh, interestingly enough, I my uh, I've only got one thing going on, which is that uh, my wife and I are expecting our first child. Oh my here god! Very, very, wow. very soon. And so, <laughs> um, anything else that you ask me about, like I I care, I like it, but I don't care that much. Like, That's awesome! Congratulations! Um, and yeah, you still came on Rocket. Uh, I feel bad. Yeah, if I'd I mean, known that, I wouldn't have asked you. Oh no, no, no. So, so you yeah, know, the, yeah. the things haven't started happening yet. Like you know, it's, it's right. It's, we're we're essentially waiting, right? We're in a in a holding pattern, but uh, <laughs> she she's kind of you know fully baked, and we're we're waiting like any <laughs> any day now. Like you know, they cause the thing is they they kind of give you a due date, right? But then the first thing they right. tell you is like, this is not an exact science. It could be two weeks on either side. Like, really, whenever she's ready to come out, like, it's going to happen. Like, okay, right. cool. You know, so, that is you know, so cool. we're, we're kind of going oh. into the holidays. And the only thing I'm doing is like, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually praying that she, like, can wait until after the holidays, right? Because you don't want that, that holiday birthday, right? Oh, like, yeah. Like, you don't want to be, you don't want to have your birthday be right around Christmas, because then you'll never no. have a birthday ever. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Right. So, that's you my know, dad, yeah. His birthday is like what's next week, on. I think. Sorry. This is my professional advice for you at Christmas here. Do not go to Nakatomi Towers. It's not going to work. You don't want to be the pregnant woman in Nakatomi Towers. <laughs> don't do that. Stay okay. away from it. Okay. That's my advice. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife, she's, uh, she's very much in those kind of late stages of pregnancy, meaning she's like oh. miserable all the time. Oh, no. Um, can't get comfortable and, and so oh. ready for, for, you know, the baby to come. And <laughs> then I, I, I'm providing as much like moral support as I can. And there's nothing else I can really do. Oh, so, no. you know, we're just kind of, we're getting the nursery set up and like, that's cool. Oh. And like, just kind of getting ready. Uh, but yeah, like that's, that's kind of my, my, like everything that's happening with me right now. That is so cool. I, I, I could tell you right now, I will give you amnesty from excessive baby tweeting. Like, just do what you got to do. Get it out there. We're going to be cool with it. it. It's Actually, gonna, no, do make that, that second yeah. Twitter and just put the baby, <laughs> 5,000 baby tweets. Just all the tweets. Yeah. It's going to happen. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating that it's going to happen. And, like, I'll, I'll go from being, like, having all these kind of really strident ideas about all this kind of current world events and then just right. be like, look at my child. She's the cutest thing you've ever seen, right? And then, like, I'll kind of lose all of my followers. I that's guess how I that have goes. to ask, does she – are you, like, reserving an email address for her at this point? Are you buying some – the domain you know, name? This is the thing, right? Like, you kind of got to reserve these things for your kids so that they can get their names, right? Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, I keep hearing this. And it sounds like I'm, you know how like I wasn't thinking about it, but now I am because everybody keeps saying it, like, mm-hmm. right? Like at some point she's going to want to get uh, her own Twitter thing going. But my, oh, I no. guess my feeling is that at least with something like Twitter, whatever name I think she wants, she's not going to want it, right? Like, she's not going <laughs> to want the name that dad's like, hey, you know, I got this name for you. She's like, yeah, great. Thanks, dad. Like, you got to no, like reserve I, her professional Twitter. And then like when she gets her first job, you can be like, and here it is. I was holding your professional Twitter name all along. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe. at that point, right. she'll appreciate it because, yeah. you know, but I gotta yeah. keep those things in my back pocket. You might be right. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, when she gets that age, she'll probably hate me for some reason or other. Oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> I love my parents. I'm so I'm so I'm so nervous about uh, having uh, having a little girl. Like I, you know, there's just there's so many things, you know. Like 
like I don't know. Like I, I guess I'm gonna I mean, have to learn it, right? And I'm like I'm like so into it, but I'm so nervous about it as well. You know, like that thing where I'm telling everybody. You know, we we talk about um, you know all these things about kind of around like diversity and sexism and stuff, and like. I'm like, don't buy me pink stuff, right? Like, I told everybody, like, we're having a girl. Like, I don't want pink things. No pink things. My daughter will decide what color she likes, and pink will not be forced upon her, right? But I, I already feel like I'm doing too much, you know? Like, I don't know. I've heard it said that, you know, being aware of things like that is already the first, you know, step to being a good parent. Like, you're worried about it. That's a good sign. It means you're thinking about it. and Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Unfortunately, people will still buy you pink things. Yeah, of course they do. Just, yeah. <laughs> when will they learn? But you know, that's not on you. You're a great dad. Preemptively. <laughs> Preemptive great dad. Uh, what am I doing this week? I am going back home tomorrow. I'm free. I finished up all six of Pixelkin's Game of the Year videos. <laughs> Um, and I had a lot of fun. So you're away from that that terrible slave driver, Nicole Tanner. Yeah, Nicole Tanner is actually <laughs> yeah, leaving us. Yeah. She's going to Mexico. She's not leaving the website. Sorry, I phrased that terribly. Right. Okay, woo. I was worried. Yeah, for no, a Nicole yeah. Tanner will be here forever. Uh, we she has a life. She signed a life contract. Um, she's ours. In you know till the end. Uh, but right now she's going to Mexico on vacation, so I can do anything I want. I can burn down the office if I want to, but I won't be here. I'll be in Port Townsend. I'll be relaxing. Um lowering my anxiety levels by eating a lot of my mom's cookies and that's pretty much it so earlier today i tweeted uh some statistics and that statistic was uh you know basically 30 percent of americans don't drink at all um but 10 percent of americans consume 10.5 more than 10.5 drinks a day will you a be day? adding to that average a day I'm like I how, saw that, and how, I wanted to yeah. to tell you that no, I am right. not one of the Americans contributing okay. to would that. You, would you fall into the third? Just tell me what tier you would fall into. Would it be the fourth, the third? What I, what, what do those numbers represent? I, I I enjoy a stiff drink after work. A stiff drink. I am still okay. pursuing justice for my missing okay. wine, which okay. you know is certainly my fault for perhaps getting a wine delivery in November and not going to receive to check in at the office until mid-December. It's really no wonder that it appears to have vanished. However, I do have the receipts and I would like the manager who signed for it to give it back to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I haven't bought any wine since then because I'm like, no, I have a $50 box of wine somewhere out in the world it's probably drunk by now i don't care i'm getting justice for this i'm not spending more money on wine so i've been drinking a lot of fireball and ginger ale um all right there we go that's my miserable life anyway i do not have 10 drinks a day i i limit it to that seems like so much it does so much right lifespan shortening a lot yes absolutely i feel like it it explains a lot about america I think like it explains why two and a half men is a popular show. <laughs> like it explains Donald Trump. Like it explains a lot. I yeah. feel. Do you think that that yeah. percentage is like Congress? Is that them? Yeah, yeah, that could be. <laughs> I want to know who those people are. Like, like, do, are they gainfully employed? I can't imagine that they actually are contributing members of society because it it actually takes a lot of work to drink that much all the time. Yeah, it does. Like, if you drink that much, tweet me and explain to me how this works. I would like to understand. Drinking is exhausting and I wish you the yeah. best. 
Okay, uh, Rihanna, where can we find you online? Space Cat Gal on Twitter. Cool. Marco? I'm uh, always Polotech, almost everywhere, particularly on Twitter. P-O-L-O-T-E-K. Heck yeah. And you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar. You can find this podcast in iTunes and rate and review it. Um, if it doesn't work on your device for some ungodly reason, give us a good review anyway. Believe us. It's, it's great. It's great material. You should love it. Um, and we'll be back with you next week with our... I think Darling Christina is coming back. And we're going to talk about Star Wars. uh, We will all have seen Star Wars by next. You guys, I have been so afraid. I've been living in fear. And I can, like, I don't want to tweet about it. Because I know, like, if I tweet about not having seen it yet, that's basically, like, opening the doors for some jerk to come in and ruin it for me. But I'm seeing Star Wars tomorrow. Yay. It's going to happen. For once in my life, I'm seeing a movie, like, soon after it comes out. <laughs> I'm a, my mine's on deck for for Friday. I feel like a a bad nerd because I haven't seen it yet. But now what I, happens if the baby down for Christmas Day? It. It's gonna it's, it's you're going gonna down. love it. If your wife goes into labor in the theater, what do you do? Uh, well, so uh, interestingly, and I'm I'm not making this up. Interestingly, like the first labor takes a long time, <laughs> and they say you can you can hang out. Like you might <laughs> feel some things. You can hang out. You we can easily make it through a movie. Before we feel some urgency around kind of, you know, because they say like, you know, if, it, if, if you know, you can, you got you to count the, trend, uh, the contractions or whatever. So maybe I'm, I'm counting while we're watching Star Wars. <laughs> and by the end of it, maybe it's time to kind of start migrating towards the, the hospital. But I'm, I'm confident that we can, we, can, we can make it work. Yeah, it's nature's way of making sure that we have time to finish our movies before we go to the hospital and give birth to our children. Exactly. I, that I is think, uh, the way that nature and de- nature and God intended. Absolutely, I I, I would buy into that if, exactly if it allowed me. <laughs> all of Star Wars. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, thank you so much, Marco, for joining us. This has been really fun. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, great. Yeah, Marco, you're only like what the the third dude we've ever had on our show, which is really anomalous for for a tech podcast. Like it's been help me some. It was Guy, Guy, and, and John then, Syracuse. And John Syracuse, so you're the third dude to ever come on the show. So. I'm happy to be on that uh, on that shortlist. This is uh... yeah, yeah. We had a good time. We had a good time. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right. So this episode of Rock. This is how we end the show. Oh yeah. Are we going to do it in unison? To, yeah. We we should. So the way it goes is Simone says terminated, and then you have to say terminated, and I will take Christina's place this week and give the last one. All so right. Simone, this episode yeah. of Rocket is terminated. 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 Yay.